Good evening. I'm telling you, if you are here in the middle of this rain in a church with no heat on a Sunday night, this must be the core of the core of Wynn Baptist. It is good to see y'all. So many faces that, you know, I used to see all the time. I haven't seen y'all in a long time, and I only live an hour away. It's amazing how life works, um, but it is really good to see y'all here tonight. Um, if it's okay, really quick, before we get into God's Word, let me introduce y'all to a few people. Uh, of course, you know mom and dad in the back. Uh, y'all wave your hand. And in between them is the lovely Rachel Brauner. And so, Rachel, wave your hand. Not many of y'all have gotten, been able to meet Rachel, so she is here tonight. Rachel's my lovely bride. She works at Faith Baptist Church in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and she and I go overseas as much as we can, and we hope to go overseas all the time, uh, travel all the time together in the coming months and years. It is just incredible to be here. Um, I have not been up here in this room in a long, long time. The last time I was up here, I was beating Mark Nix in ping pong. <laughs> he was proceeding to cheat and do whatever it took to win, but it was a church, so... Actually, I've never beat Mark in ping pong in my entire life. He's, in, he's very good at it. It's the last time I've been up here. It's been a long time uh, in, in this room. The Wynn Baptist facilities are just incredible, what God has given you. The church building is incredible, but it's not as amazing as the church itself. Um, I want tonight to be kind of a different type of sermon. Typically, when I preach... People think I preach about missions most of the time. I really don't. Now, most of the time, I preach on sin. So, but trust me, tonight, I'm not going to hit that that hard tonight. Tonight's going to be kind of a, a different message. This morning, I was preaching at a church that is looking for a pastor. So tonight, I'm preaching at a church that's looking for a pastor. People are going to quit calling me to come preach. It's dangerous. But I want to share something. I hope tonight it's going to be brief. Somebody want to amen that? I wish you hadn't amen that, but I'll take it. It's going to be brief, but I, I hope it is, can be uplifting in this time of transition. Open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Starting in verse 1. Philippians 3, starting in verse 1. Philippians, I'm actually preaching through Philippians in a church in Memphis right now. The beauty of the book of Philippians is it teaches you how to be joyous, how to be joyful. And the truth is, I would imagine at Wynn Baptist, somebody has taken you through the book of Philippians before. But as I go through it, I'm reminded how so few people that I know really live a life of joy. Oh, sure, if someone's given their life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, frequently they do live a joyous life, but many times it, it, just, it, it just doesn't seem to happen. The problems of life, the tragedies and trials of life kind of add up and get to us, and then suddenly we've just lost our joy. Well, I can't preach the whole book of Philippians tonight to you, but I'm going to teach you something tonight that Paul talks about 
And it's a very hard teaching. It's actually a very hard teaching as you get older. So I guess I'm 46 now, so it's getting harder and harder to actually obey what Paul says in Philippians 3. Now, I'm going to read a lot, so get ready. Philippians 3, 1 through 14. And what I want to do is apply this passage not only in your life, but also in the life of Win Baptist as a whole, especially in the coming months. So let's begin. Philippians 3, 1 through 14. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Everybody stop and look up because context is going to matter. Paul is in prison. He has every earthly reason not to be joyous. He is talking to a group of believers that he loves. The, the church in Philippi is one of the most successful churches. It's actually the first church in all of Europe. And people are coming in, and they're trying to teach them that through the law, they can be righteous. Through the law, they can have joy. And Paul is going to tackle this head-on right here with a very unique approach to handling that whole issue of works and salvation. So, verse 4. If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do, got, do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the price for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we just come to you now. Lift up your holy name. God, I pray that what is spoken tonight is from your true, mighty, and matchless word, that the Holy Spirit touches our hearts, and we can see how we can be utilized today as we have been in the past for the furtherance of your kingdom, and more importantly, to know you. And God, we ask these things in your precious name. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you live your life trying to find joy in what you have done, that is going to be 
a life that is certainly not filled with joy. If you're anything like me, and I know you are, I'm from Wynn, and I know three-fourths of you, you're constantly pushing yourself to do better and do more and do better and do more. In the end, if you place your faith and trust in doing better and doing more, joy just doesn't come. Paul, in a bold approach, tells people, look, let me show you how you can have joy. You think you've done a lot in the past? Try this. And Paul lists the things he has done. Verse 4, if anyone thinks... If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Sounds like a pretty arrogant moment from Paul. Paul is listing all the things he's done. He was circumcised on the eighth day. Well, Paul didn't have much to do with that. Some, that happened to him. Hebrew of the Hebrew, Pharisee of the Pharisees, as regarding the law, unsurpassed. If you notice, a lot of these things he did were good things. Y'all, it wasn't bad to try to follow the law. What was bad was that he put his trust and his faith in the law and not in the coming Messiah, ultimately. But it's, there's nothing bad about being a Pharisee with the proper perspective. They typically lost the perspective. There's nothing wrong with following the law. There's nothing wrong with being a Hebrew of the Hebrews. A lot of these things he did were good, but he knew those things weren't going to bring him joy. And i got to be careful here, because what I've just described is slightly negative. Trust me, both good and bad things in the past can be something dangerous to rest on. Now, I'd like just for a minute to brag on Wynn Baptist Church. Can I do that? Would that be okay? Okay, I got some head nods. But I do want you to know that in the end, the one who's doing all this, I'm hoping you already know, is Christ through you. But have you ever thought about Win Arkansas and Win Baptist Church? Let me be clear. It, is never, it has not been God's plan in a long time. But if God would allow, I could easily make my home in Win Arkansas. I like it here. If you like it here, say Amen. All these kids that want to get up and go out and see, the, and see the big city and move away. Well, let me tell you something. I have traveled the world. It's not that incredible. Wind's pretty cool. It's a nice place to raise a family. But that hasn't been God's plan, and that's okay. You follow what, God, what God's plan is for your life for most of my adult life. So what I'm about to say might sound like I'm belittling wind, but the truth is, Ultimately, do you know what all God has done through Wynn, Arkansas? Have you ever thought about it? This isn't New York City, for crying out loud. This isn't London. It's, it's Wynn, Arkansas. Just a few months ago, I was talking to somebody about Wynn, and they said, you know, it just, this is a, a Memphian, they said, it just feels like all roads lead through Wynn, Arkansas. 
I'm really, I'm speaking partially tongue-in-cheek, but not really. I want you to think what God has done through Win Baptist Church. And I'm going to butcher this because there's no way I'm going to cover all of it. I talked about it in the time this afternoon at 4.30. You have knocked on every door in this city two times, maybe three. We don't quite remember how many times. You have helped plant churches in the Delta. You have helped plant churches out west. Two of the largest churches in this state come from men that God has used first at Wynn Baptist and then around the state of Arkansas. You have a guy that is the number two pastor in a very large church in Florida. You have had people serve short-term and long-term in, well, i got to be careful in some of these countries. One in the Middle East, another in the Middle East, sorry, security matters, you never know. India, Brazil, France, Zambia, and the list goes on and on and on. Now seriously, let's get out of preaching mode just for a second and just think about that for a second. All those people came out from Win Baptist Church. Do you think that, actually, I don't know how old Win Baptist Church is, 100 and something years old. We'll go with that. Do you think when they planted that church, this church, do you think they could have imagined, think about it, that there would be people that would be touched truly in countries all over the world? It is mind-boggling that a church this size would have the impact that it's had. If you don't remember anything I've said tonight, of course, you'll remember all of it, but if you don't remember anything I say tonight, go home and just chew on that fact. This has to be a God thing that has occurred at Wynn Baptist Church. It's globally, it's impacted globally around the world. Yes, like Paul, like Wynn Baptist, maybe even like you. Maybe in the past you have done some things you're not that proud of, <laughs> but on the flip side, some things that you're very proud of for the kingdom. Paul highlights some things that he had done that were, he was certainly not proud of. Persecuting the church, I can guarantee you, the memory of holding the coats while watching Stephen die did not fade from his mind quickly. But on the flip side, yes, he knew that he had done some things that were not all bad along the way. But here's what he said in a remarkably shocking and actually very blunt verse that comes next. He reminds us just how to think about what we do compared to what we are. Verse 7, and this is the hard part, so get ready. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now granted, these things that Paul talked about were pre-Christ. When he gave his life to Christ on the road to Damascus, everything changed. 
the purpose of why he did everything was no longer for the sake of Paul or for the sake of the law or or for the sake of religion. It became for the sake of Christ. And granted, I guarantee you there's stuff that you have done in your life for the sake of Christ. But here's what Paul says. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. In fact, some translations, you might have them, will say dung. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. All those things that he had done, all those things that he had experienced... And goodness gracious, praise the Lord for how the Lord used Paul. Praise the Lord for how the Lord has used goodness. So many people in this room and when Baptist in the past. All these things, even these good things, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord, they are rubbish. Nothing matters Nothing matters in comparison to knowing Christ as Lord. I am now 46 years old. I know you thought I was much younger than that. I'm now 46 years old. I have now known Christ 29 years. I got saved when I was 17 years old. I have done some pretty encouraging things at some times in my life. I have done Many, many stupid things along the way as well. Mercifully, there was no amen from the back row on that last part. I fully expected a hearty amen. None of it matters. As I talk about this ministry that y'all have supported, I'm so thankful for what you have done. As I talk about the ministries that y'all have done far outside of the scope of Jeff Brauner, None of that matters in comparison to the fact that Jesus Christ, for some reason, I know the reason for God's glory and for his, and his love for you and for me, but for some reason, he saved me. No matter what happens tonight, no matter what happens in the coming weeks, a hundred years from now, guess what all these problems that we face in the world, guess how much they're going to matter to you and me? Take a guess. Zero. Why? Because finally we're going to get to be with him. We're going to go to glory, be in front of the throne of grace, and be able to say, I'm finally with Jesus. And all those accomplishments and all those failures, well, they will pale in comparison. The danger in life, what Paul is alluding to, and granted, he's alluding to stuff pre-Christ, so don't don't, I don't want to stretch it too far. The danger is that we focus so much on what we have done in the past. Some of you might struggle with focusing so much on your victories in the past that it's hard to try to, you, that you can almost become satisfied in the present. Some of you are so concerned about the failures in the past that you're stuck and can't seem to move forward in the present or in the future. I used to coach softball here 
in when. Who all has coached softball or baseball or t-ball in this room? Raise your hand. That is what I figure. Who all has played softball or t-ball or... Okay, let me make a confession. I was a bad softball coach. I was terrible. I tried so hard. Our teams consistently lost. And by consistently, the word I really want to use is always lost. I remember one time I was coaching along with Robert Weaver and we, he was, we had lost another game and we had tried to spin it to our girls and <laughs> it's been a long time and uh, you didn't know I'd use him from the pulpit. Um, and he said, you know, Jeff, losing builds character. Winning builds confidence. I've had enough character for a while. <laughs> and I kind of mumbled under my breath, I have too. But it's just, it was fun. We had a good time. But in the end, it's, I think a lot of us feel that way. It, maybe it's your failures. You think, oh, I've just, maybe it'll, it'll build character. Maybe, maybe I'll just be stronger in the future. Maybe, or maybe you've won everything under the sun. Um, Tom Brady has no short of confidence. I don't know where you are in the past. But what Paul is saying is, keep it in perspective. Now, the danger in me talking about keeping your past in perspective is you hear me talking about all these wonderful things Win Baptist has done, and you're saying, is Jeff saying what we've done is rubbish? I am saying compared to the love of Christ, yes. Can you amen that? It is. But I'm also saying I'm completely ripping this off from Henry Blackaby. Use what God has done in your past, the victories in the past, as spiritual markers to determine where you're about to go in the future. God has laid, laid aside some things in your life, spiritual moments, events in your life, and you can go, huh, God did this, God did this, God did this. This might be the direction God wants me to go next. For when Baptist... God has taken us here to Zambia and India and the Middle East and all over the city of Wynn, and we've done this and this and this and this. Huh, I wonder as we look for the next guy who's going to lead us, can the spiritual markers in the past help us figure out where we want to head in the future? Yeah. Paul's saying, don't live in the past. Count them as rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of the greatness of of Christ Jesus. And then he says one more thing. Verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all of this, or I've already been made perfect, but I press, home, press, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Win Baptist has been used by God to do some amazing things. Use those amazing things as spiritual markers for what you're going to do in the future as you make some pretty weighty decisions in the future. But at the same time, don't rest in the victories and in the or in the failures of the past. Consider them rubbish compared to what Christ is doing from, for you now and will do for you for all eternity. A 
The future and the present in Him is what's ultimately going to matter. How in the world can, be you, can you be used by God? How can you press on toward that upward call of knowing Christ Jesus? Well, in the last few minutes of this, I want to show you two things. First, I want to tell you how you have helped others do that. Secondly, I want to then just bridge that gap and show you how you doing that can help you know Christ as well. Let me try to explain. Um, Miss Irene, can you go ahead and start? I have a missionary slideshow. Oh, I know how you love slides. <laughs> but trust me, they're just going to go on in the background. So you don't have to look at me. I mean, just follow the slides. There's 50-something slides, so I'll be going about 30 minutes now. <laughs> what you see behind you, that's Guyana and Brazil, by the way. What you see behind you is what we talked about today at 4.30, just briefly, and I'd like to elaborate further. Yes, Wynn Baptist has helped all those countries I, lifted, I listed earlier. But let me tell you what you've done that you might not even know about. You see, everything behind you, everything you see are people that are being trained all across Guyana and Brazil. Brazil is about the size of the United States, the continental U.S. turned on its side. And you see people that literally are being trained from the north edge all the way to the southern edge, dotting in states along the way. And as you look at that, you think to yourself, well, what in the world does that have to do with me? And what in the world does that have to do with me knowing Christ? Well, this is what it has to do with you. Every one of those trainings, everything you see, particular, that training right there, I won't highlight every slide, but those people in those blue shirts, they're going all over the world. And Brazilians can go places we can't. They're going to North Korea. They're going to the Sudan. They're, those are international missionaries that, have been, that are being trained right now, and we got a chance to be part of them. There's me and my lovely wife training them. As we go through those slides, here's what that has to do with Wynn Baptist. Without embellishment, without exaggeration, and not making this too much of a fine, to, to make this too much money centric, but I do want you to hear this. Every one of those trainings were funded by the donations of Wynn Baptist Church. As you look up there, as you, all of them, it's you. You're the church that has made that happen. So as you go through 50, we might not finish all 50-something slides. I want you, and it doesn't even touch the number of people that have been trained. All those people um, were trained by, yes, me and my organization began some of the trainings. But now most of them are being trained by Brazilians and Guyanese without us. And you have supported church planners all over Brazil and in Guyana. And what they do is they go around those countries and they train people in three things. None of it's complicated. Evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. And let me tell you something that happens 
in many places around the world. Not all of them, but Brazil for sure, India for sure. That's another place we go. They take these simple truths of evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. And after they hear about it, they go, hmm, I can do that. And they just run with it. Now, I'll tell you a stat because I guess it's okay. I didn't tell you at 4.30. But as you look up there, as you look at pictures of either trainings or people getting saved or people that have been trained evangelizing others, I want you to know this. Somewhere, some about in the... Let me do this. Let me start over. A summary of the last 10 years... In Brazil alone, in Brazil, there have been 150,000 home groups that have been started by them, by those kids out there. They're too young to know they can't do it. They take it. That's our principal trainer um, right there. His name is Renato. You fully fund Hanato, completely, or mostly last year. The ministry grew, so there was some additional funds, both in Brazil and in Guyana. My friends, and you can keep looking. My friends, you, you don't even know the impact that you have had around the world. Sometimes you might think to yourself, goodness gracious, what have I done? And what am I doing to impact the kingdom? And how can I know Christ in a greater way? Well, I can tell you this much. God, in his wisdom, has allowed you, has used you to help a lot of people know him. Amen? This afternoon we talked about how you can be involved. The truth is, the number one way I'd love for you to be involved is come on down with us. Come check it out. If you want to see where those 150,000 Bible studies got started, come see. Come check it out. I'll work you like a dog for four days. And then I'll put you on the beach for the last day to give you a tan. <laughs> and send you back home happy but somewhat sick as a dog because you're exhausted. I'm not much at promoting trips. I make them sound too hard. I got to work on that. Those people there that you have helped have taken simple truths that they have learned from simple trainings that anyone, anybody in here could do what I do. Anybody in here could do what I do. And they have said, you know what? I'm going to get on board with what God is doing, and I'm going to practice evangelism. I'm going to practice discipleship. And guess what's going to be the fruit, the natural result of them doing that? What happens when someone says, you know what? I can do evangelism. I can do discipleship. Guess what happens? They begin to understand the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. You have helped people all around the world, Brazil, Guyana specifically. We're in other countries as well. You have helped them begin the process of not only getting saved, but knowing Christ on a deeper and intimate way. So let me ask you this. You have been a blessing to those young people right there. Um, that's in the north part of Brazil. You've been a blessing to them around the world. You have helped train them so that they can know Christ 
they can get on board with what Christ is doing. How about you in your own life? Okay. I know right now, when Baptist has done per capita, I don't know many churches that have done more. I just don't. But what about you and your life right now? Forgetting what is behind, putting them in perspective from what God has done and what Jesus has done through you. What are you doing to know Christ and his surpassing greatness? What are you doing in your life that's beyond yourself? In this time, as y'all are in a transition, in a church transition, my hope and prayer for some of you, what you might need to do to know God beyond yourself is get on a plane and come see what we're doing down there. For some of you, what you need to do to know God beyond yourself is give sacrificially. There are tons of ministry, ministries from Wind Baptist that could use your sacrificial giving. You, maybe for some of you, to, to know God beyond yourself, it's going to involve sharing Christ with a neighbor that you might not even like, but you know they need Jesus. I don't know what it might be in your life. But I know one thing. Forgetting what is behind and pressing onward toward what is ahead, my prayer is that Wynn Baptist continues to learn and know the surpassing greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ.